Hi, I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller, and this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family YA book club podcast. Today we'll be discussing Glass Sword, the second book in the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. Tuck seems smaller than I remember, with the 300 from Koros as well as the colonel's own reinforcements clustering all over the island. He leads me past them all, setting a pace I must struggle to match. Many of the new soldiers are Lakelanders, smuggled from the far north like the guns and food streaming in from the docks, but there are a good number of Nortons as well, farmers, servants, deserters, even some tattooed techies drill in the open space between barracks. Many have come over the last few months. They are the first of many outrunning the measures, and more will certainly follow. I would smile at the thought, but smiling comes too hard these days. It hurts my scars and my head. Back on the runway, a familiar jet roars and the black run climbs into the sky. Headed for the notch, I'll bet, with Cal at the controls. All the better. I don't need him skulking around, watching and judging my every move. Welcome to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is Season 2, Episode 29, Glass Sword, Chapter 28. Mare! Girl! So annoying. I can't. I can't even. So annoying. Can't even. She's on an ego trip, though. She is. Because she is walking into Barracks 1, head held high, shoulder squared next to the colonel this time, versus the last time. Yeah, where they had to swim underwater. Again, as we pointed out prior to the recording... She wouldn't have got there without Kalorn. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but now she is being escorted there by the colonel himself. And, you know, even the Lakelanders are moving out of her way. Yeah. So, Ooh. yeah, just like she was saying in the last ep- uh, chapter, she doesn't need her lightning to cause fear right. anymore. People are just afraid of her now. Right. She's Darth Vader strolling down the hallways. Bum, bum. <laughs> Oh yeah, we yep, can't. There we go. That's all. That's it. That's it. Don't want to get sued. Don't want to. Don't want to do any license. But like everyone's parting. Yeah. For her when she walks by. I mean, yeah. the colonel's there as well, but still, same difference. And they go straight to the control room, which has some various people milling about in it, some Lakelanders, some guard people, uh, and then everybody leaves. The colonel clears the room, and everybody leaves except these two people in green outfits. That are very obviously twins, two men. Uh, Mare describes them as moving in strange unison, both wearing badges on their uniforms, a white circle with a dark green triangle inside. The same marks that were on the smuggled crates from the last time she was there. So we're expanding kind of, the, we're getting to see more of the the world that they live in yeah. now. These are this, Now she's kind of connecting where all of the supplies coming from because that was some nice stuff they were getting from yeah very nice stuff nice clothing and linens for everything to actually match too so they look like a real army and not just a ragtag group of rebels that are thrown together so clearly these people come from a place that has money they're crap together and money yeah right and mayor notices that the only difference between the two of them is one has a scar on their right cheek and one has a scar on their left cheek. So at some point in time, in order to identify them, to tell them apart, instead of painting a toenail like normal people with twins do. Someone scarred them. Someone scarred on them. opposite cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. So their upbringing or whenever this was done was not a very pleasant period. They weren't brought mm-hmm. up with respect or any kind of right. real nurturing. Um, their names are Rash and Tahir. And they have a big pile to shovel at Mare's feet. They are laying it on thick. What is with these names? Yeah. Yeah. Rash and Tahir. Rash. Does that not mean the same thing in their world that it means here? Yeah. Like you've got or, a, or were they just, a rash? An itchy rash. Yeah. Or they just kind of like, mm, sounds cool. You need a topical I, antibiotic. I know. Right. It's like there's rash and then Tahir is like the medicine... You know, ask your doctor about Tahir. If, <laughs> need ask to get rid of your rash? Ask, ask your, your doctor, doctor if Tahir is right for you. 
Side effects include speaking in unison with your twin. <laughs> oh. Weird telepathic connections with others of your type. Right. Crazy. Reclaim your life. Ask your doctor about to hear today. Do you have a do you have a rash? <laughs> Ask your doctor. We've been watching a lot of Hulu, and they have, and they have the worst medicine commercials and it's ever. All on they have. It's so bad. It's like, like a topical, constant stream. It's a, right, of, it's a topical antibiotic for a really rash, loud. and the side effects are like instant death. <laughs> and apparently we all Kidney have disease. moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. All of us. <laughs> and, and you have to refer to it that way. It, My moderate to, to severe, severe plaque psoriasis. <laughs> You know, when I talk to other people about my lung disease, I say, my moderately well-managed lung disease, (laughs) nobody talks that way. (laughs) Nobody talks that way. Anyway, we're sidetracked, but... Yeah, that that's how that's how rehearsed and scripted these two sound, is that they sound like... Used car salesmen. They're pitching her in a room. This is... This is this country's version of Don Draper. It is. It's twin Don Drapers. Yeah. Imagine. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let me paint this picture for you. But they're going back and forth. It's like, ah! Don Draperception. So yeah. So they say that they have traveled far to find her. Um, you know, she obviously knows not from Norda or from the Lakelands because of their badges and their colors and whatnot. And then one of them says, and waited, and then the other one finishes for what feels like forever. So they have been there at Tuck. For a while, waiting yeah. while Mare's been off on her yeah. uh, and one tour recruitment ju- uh, journey. So. so they're 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 doing this weird finishing each other's sandwiches thing, and yeah, <laughs> I wanted to give that to you. Thank you, I love you. Since we're not going to wear the t-shirts, you can at least let me have it on the show. Yes. I appreciate right. that. Uh, they say they bring her a message and an offer. She doesn't care what it is until she unless she knows who's it's from who it's from. Like, who from? You know, who sent you? Right. Because if it's certain people, I don't even care what it is that you have to say. You know, she's, her walls are super high. Like, the hackles on the back of her neck are standing up at this point in time. Because this is unusual, and anything that's been unusual for her lately has meant some sort of tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they speak in chorus when they say the Free Republic of Montfort. Um, she wishes she had Julie in there, but instead she has to revert to all of the teaching, you know, comb back through her memories. And she remembers that Montfort is like Piedmont. It's down to the south of where they are. And uh, it's ruled by a collection of princes that are all silver. Mm-hmm. These two are very obviously new bloods. They're red. They have some sort of power. So if that's a country ruled by princes, how did they get out? How have they been unnoticed? Where are they getting their resources? Why are they calling it free? Right? Why are they calling it free? Right. Like, what has happened? I'm scared. Yeah. It is. It, have they toppled silvers there already? Because I feel like maybe that would be news that would have made it Back to... Back to Norda. Right. You know, Farley would have heard about something. The Whistles would know, like, Mare would have gotten wind of... Of this. Of a kingdom being toppled somewhere. And right. we have not to this point in time. So they start to uh, describe their situation, where they're at. Um, they say that Montfort is a republic, so they're apparently free. Well-guarded, hidden by mountains and snow. You know, it's tucked back in a mountain range where you can't really see it. And you have a good watch of anybody that's coming to attack. You know, they right. have the high ground. So, But they're when they're going back and forth and finishing each other's sandwiches, Mare says this is very annoying, which I can imagine Greg must be what it's like sometimes <laughs> to try to talk to Mia and I when we're in sync and finishing each other's sandwiches. When you're Thank in you. Taylor Swift mode. Yes. That as well. Yeah, where just like lyrics and song titles are flying, and you only know three of them. Speaking our own Taylor language. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rash jumps in. He can see by Mare's face that they're losing her, and so <laughs> like we're losing her, we're losing her. He jumps in and he says, "My apologies. Our mutations link 
our brain. And so we communicate on a level that's different than other people. And sometimes that doesn't translate to out loud very well, basically. Yes. Is what he tells her. I... This is so fun because he's trying to explain that it can be quite unsettling and Mare finishes it for him. Yeah. Like, like doesn't even give Tahir a chance to jump in and finish it. She's going to be <laughs> like, like, oh, she has a little bit of a sense of humor left. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Go, Mare. Good job. Another, that's another check mark for Jenna Ortega because she would nail that line. Nail, nail it. it. Um, the colonel is just scowling in the corner. He doesn't like any of this. He's not happy, first of all, that these people are here. Yes, they sent supplies, but they did not know where the the supplies were going. So not only are there new bloods here now, there are silvers here now, and now these dudes from a whole other country know where Tuck is. So their little hidden base is becoming quite exposed, and he doesn't. Yeah, and he doesn't like it. Um. And so, you know, Mare asks them, you're new bloods like me. And uh, they both nod in agreement, of course. So weird. Um, but in Mont, they say in Montfort, they're called Ardents for some reason. Not sure what that's all about. And new bloods make so much more sense. Yeah. Um, but that it differs from nation to nation, what people call the red and silver ones. Yeah. Now, that's the first time we've ever heard that it put that way red and silver no it's not ones but it did, well s- specifically in a phrase like that yeah you know you're like oh uh, nobody in this country wants to put those two things together well, like that was it right. julian that kind of said red and silver and stronger than both or was it neither red nor silver and stronger than both i thought it was yeah. or i thought it was neither neither red nor silver but stronger are than both, both red and silver. But anyway, like it, it was still, it was still saying that this is something different, not the two combined. Yes, right. They, Mare views them as something whole different versus. It's just a combination, just a right? Combination, a, yeah. a jumping point where we can agree upon maybe versus just a, a third party, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, with no. Other connections. Right, right. Not not moderates down the center of the aisle. Right. A whole third political right. party. Which, Mary kind of, I don't think she's even wrapped her brain around the thought of silvers. Like, to her, all silvers are super powerful. But there's not. There's a ton of silvers that she didn't meet because they're not in the king's court that are have abilities that are mundane. Like your right. ability to get a really good parking spot no matter right. where they exactly. go. That's like their ability. It's like, that's didn't it? It happened yesterday with my mom. Oh. It did at Archie's, but not at the craft store. Or, you know, like... My ability to hear things really well, but only when I'm sitting in the bathroom. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> like really odd, specific abilities. So they're basically just normal silvers. Yeah. So that's the same as red. Like, I think she, like you said, this is kind of a maybe a point where to them, they're not even thinking twice about the fact that it's together. Right. To her, that's like a whole foreign concept. Yeah, that th- these two can't come together. Right, there's no Reds connection whatsoever. Even though she's got a whole bunch of silvers that are going to fight for their cause with her. Even though she lays at night with the, a silver every night for like the last, true. what, how many weeks? But the I think it just goes to show you that in Norda, at least how, they, how she was raised, the blood divide is so deep. Right. Versus where these people come from, it's whatever's going on down there. It's a little bit different. Or they're trying to make Mare think it's a little bit different than what she's got here. Um, so, but they say that in their country, um, new bloods are able to be in the open, that they can display their powers just like Silver's can, and that they don't have to hide. Um, and then he looks at the colonel, and this is where he's you know, kind of tugging on the colonel strings a little bit as well. He says, but our bonds run deeper than the borders of nations. We protect our own for no one else will, meaning the ones with mutations. You know, they're trying to say, we're going to be able to have you guys' back. That Montfort has managed to stay quiet and hidden for 20 years. And while they've been doing that, they've been amassing... They've been building a republic where everybody gets together, but also making an army 
to where they can go topple other kingdoms. They've managed to do it in their country, so they say, and now they're going to take their show on the road and topple kingdoms all across the continent. Wee. Yeah, that's that's what they're trying to sell. And make it so that Mayor. all reds and silvers will live together Perfect happily ever harmony. after Wee. under one rule. Yeah. Think about that for a they, second though. Yeah, and now that they have now that they've solved injustice in their country, they won't rest until they can see reds, silvers, and the together ones or the ardents basically all standing together as equal. You know, they don't want they don't want death just for death's sake anymore. They're trying to promote equality more. Um, so she's like, oh, I get it. So the colonel is not doing this because he wants to. He's doing this because he's afraid if he doesn't accept their olive branch, it's gonna you're either friend or foe, basically. Yeah. Right. You're either gonna you're be with on us our, or you're against us. Exactly. You're gonna be on our side or you're gonna be in our sights. Yes. One of the two. And so she's like, oh, okay. You know, she she even says another player has joined the game. Yeah. (laughs) Piedmont has now entered, or Montfort has now now entered the chat. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And and since they share an enemy right now, they're going to be tenuous allies, like so many other people in this book already. Yes. Everybody is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Is my friend. Exactly. As long as as long as we all still hate Maven. And our main goal is to topple Maven, then we're fine. Once that happens, the battle's gonna rage in between us, but you know, we've we've gotta cut the head off the monster before we can worry right. about the infighting. Um so, you know, she knows that the enemy that they share is gonna be basically all silvers. Now that means not only the silvers that she wants to kill, but also Cal, Julian. Sarah, the other political enemies that they brought back with them, right. you know, the ones missing from different houses. So if they're going to wage war on the Silvers with these people, that means alienating some powerful allies that they've picked up organically on the way. Right. And those can be some of your most powerful allies. Yes. Right. Or that's a, that's a, like I said, an organic relationship. Or kind of having to explain, like, these these ones are cool. Right. They're chill. We've been through this together. They've done this. They've done that. You know, I know that they have my back, and I know where their intentions are. And that's not going to be easy to explain to somebody from the outside. No. At all. No. You know, they're going to be like, what? You guys are pairing together? That doesn't... Even though they're making it seem like, yeah, we all get along where we're from. But when we come up here, we're going to have to bring chaos and fighting. I don't know. I just, this whole thing felt so. Strange. Yes. Different. Not even strange. Superficial. Yeah, you got to feel like there's there's no depth to this offer, in my opinion. I feel like there's there's more going on here, and they're just, they think that they can just come down here and con her. Exactly. Basically. Um, So they have been sent on behalf of somebody named Premier Davidson. I'm assuming Pete, or one of Pete's descendants. Not necessarily. No. (laughs) Premier of Staten Island, Premier Davidson, um, has sent them as ambassadors. So they're representing, you know, the guy that's now in charge of Montfort, and he wants to extend a hand of friendship to the Scarlet Guard. Um, And the colonel willingly they say, accepted the uh, alliance two weeks ago while Mare was away. And uh, they also, they say that his command, the superiors of, are the red generals of command have also accepted the alliance. And that draws Mare up again because she's like, wait, command. I know that word and Farley never told me what it was, because we kind of had some more pressing issues to deal with. <laughs> kind of trying so, to not die. Right. And, and you know, then the whole morning and fighting, and Sean says the answer to your question is yes, that whole deal. And then, you know. Crying. Crying. Lots more crying. Yeah. Um, but, so she's, but she's trying not to give away that that word has piqued her interest, because she doesn't know what they don't know. 
You right. know what I mean? Yes. They they think that she's some type of leader where she does she's not getting hardly any information on what goes on above the colonel's head. Right. But they don't know that. So she's going to play along and just let them talk themselves into it and, you know, go along with it. Um, and she's like, I'm just going to let them, you know, that's how you find information is just let people talk. And she's going to let them go on about the command. Um, they, they think, she thinks to herself, they obviously think I have some sort of control over the Scarlet Guard, but I don't even have any control over myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty accurate. There's there's a lot of things in this chapter, just on a side note. I have it in my notes later on. She's walking to meet her family. But there's so much in this thing that makes Mare sound like a mom. Yeah. Like when you have like when you have your first kid and you're just like, Oh, look at my baby, and you're so excited, and then you have a second kid and you're like, Oh my god. <laughs> and, and like suddenly everything is stressful and you're just like, How am I gonna do it all? Like she sounds like a mom that just had her second. Yeah kid you know it's like oh my god everything is different and i have all of these but relatively responsibilities now but also relatively soon after the first kid right to where it's like Like you haven't figured out and you haven't figured out quite enough of like sometimes you just got to let it happen right right it's like that's why i don't like people who have we i mean we do have three but people have three kids like bam 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 it's like the second one already feels like you're drowning and then someone, the, I don't remember what comedian it was that said that having a third kid is like having two kids and then you're drowning and someone throws you a third kid. I think it's Jim Gaffigan, but I think it's having your, it's either having your fourth or fifth kid because oh, he yeah. has five kids. So it's either having oh, your Lord. fourth kid. It's like you're having, drowning. Imagine you have th- you're, you're three kids and you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like, what? Oh my gosh. Yeah, but our kids are. Spaced out. Spaced out a lot. And so. we're chill. And yeah, you yeah. are very chill. They are. <coughs> but that's just, it's so much of this makes me think of like the things that a mom tells herself when her kids are babies. That's what it made me think of. Um, you know, like all oh, the outside world thinks I'm running this household. I'm, I'm barely running my day. Yeah. I, I managed to keep these small humans fed and their butts clean, and that's about as much as I can do. We didn't end up and then I pass out. Right, yeah. I haven't shampooed my hair or brushed my teeth in six weeks, but I look like I got it all together. Um, so the twins keep on talking. Um, they said they've allied with similar groups and subsects in nations across the continent, forming a a vast network of spokes, like on a wheel. Right. So they are trying to say that they have all these other new blood connections and that's how they're moving goods. And, you know, all of these, um, again, enemy of my enemy is my friend type Mm -hmm. alliances and underground networks, which Mare already knew was in the works because of what's been going on with the Scarlet Guard. But now seeing the scope of it, like, Oh, this is a multinational thing stretching across the entire continent, which is for us it's easy to think of the continent because we have travel, you know, right. we can just get on a plane and be in the, another part of the world in a matter of, matter of hours, but for her it's like, you know, say she lives just outside of I'm guessing somewhere around like the Ohio area or maybe just like a little bit north of there is what kind of where I'm picturing her. And then like Piedmont is like Georgia. And then this place would be like, what's next to Georgia on the other side, Alabama. And, but that, so from Ohio to Alabama is impossible to even fathom traveling because they don't have a way to get there. You know what I'm saying? Right, they don't yeah. have horses. They don't have, you, you walk or you take this super expensive silver transport, right. which they wouldn't have access to anyway. Right. So, you know, it, it's not, it's really not that far in the scope of things because they're just two countries on the same continent. But for Mare, it's a yeah. world away. Right. She would never be able to dream of getting there. And they're telling her that on the, the spokes of all of this wheel come back to the republic that's the hub so the transport is in and out of there the nice stuff is being kept there and it's guarded enough to where you know nobody can get in and penetrate the fortress and so what they have to offer her is basically freedom she doesn't have to go fight she just gets to go live her life that is you said 
Their exact words are, they need not fight. They only need live and live free. That is our offer. So she can bring all the new bloods with her that she wants, and they get to live free. Now, here in my notes I read, then who topples these kingdoms? You're just going to bring all of these people that have abilities and let them mooch off you and use up your resources and not expect anything of them? Right. Sounds a little bit too good to be true. But they continue. She, and she's thinking, you know, I need only live. Like, even in the stilts, I didn't have that right. luxury. I still had to steal and work every day to live. I've never had the opportunity to just be myself, you know, and, and just do whatever it is that I want to do. And so then she's thinking back to her life in the stilts, and she's like, okay, but if my life in the stilts did teach me anything, it's that everything comes at a price. Yes. So what, what, what's the trade-off, basically? We get to come and live for free. What's the catch? Nothing. Nothing is free. Nothing's free. So she says, and what do you, and what do you ask in return? Uh, she says, not really wanting to hear the answer. Uh, Rash and Tahir look at each other with, you know, some sort of creepy twin look. Um, and they say in unison together, Premier Davidson requests that you escort them. So okay. you have, they'll all be safe, but you have to come too. Okay. You know, just like, uh, immediately. It's like, um, hmm? dear reader. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. It's definitely a trap. Um, because so she, few people just got, got the reference based right, on just like dear six reader. of them. You to keep going. Uh, Premier Davidson is requesting, but Mayor knows that when somebody higher up is requesting, I'm doing inverted commas, that you do something, it's not, it's never a request. You know, you're pretty much being commanded. If they're here, it's an all or nothing situation like we talked about before. They tell her, you are a firebrand in your own right and will be of great help to the coming war. So Mare's like, oh yeah, they need not fight. I should have known that wouldn't apply to me. You know, and then they say again to her, you will have your own unit, your own hand-picked Ardens at your side. And I wrote, there it is. <laughs> yeah. So some of them are going to have to fight. And furthermore, we're, we're going to offer all of your people freedom. Some of them are going to have to fight, and you're going to be the one that's going to have to pick the ones that are going to have to go into battle versus the ones that are going to have to stay safe. So do you want to save them, or do you want to use their ability and take them into battle? You get to pick. So they're really putting the bad guy role on here, on her fast. On an but, indecisive 17-year-old. But they're also Point. basically saying, I think they're kind of actually trying to hook her in with this, because she does always say, you know, why do these have to... So she can, she can pick. She said that these people need to fight with her. Now she gets to really choose which one she wants to use. I mean, she also gets to put money, money where her mouth is, basically. Right. It, it, it's like, yeah, you're laying it all on her, but this is kind of what she's been saying she's been having to do anyway. Now they're just saying, we're going to be right behind you, and you get to make all the choices. And the ones that you don't want to have to fight actually are going to be safe. Not saying they are going to be safe, because I don't know that these people right. are telling the truth, but they're selling her... I mean, they're pushing hard oh, yeah. to sell her on this. This is this is a timeshare presentation and a half. Oh yeah, you know they're they're being double teamed on this one. Right. Yeah. I mean, and they're they know they have to to really hammer it down now because like the cookies are all eaten, the coffee's all gone. Yeah. Everyone's getting ready to leave. <laughs> the Contracts seminar. are coming out. You need to go ahead and, mm-hmm. and close lock the deal. this down. There's some dude coming around handing out pens. Yes. Yeah. It the time is now. Uh, Mare is thinking to herself that this is very much like the situation that she put Cameron in. You think? There's a choice, but there's not really a choice. You know. you. Whereas everybody else, it was the same situation. You know, join us or Maven's going to come hunt you down and you're going to die. So that was pretty much a choice, but not really a choice anyway. But at this least is was... much more than that because yes. she knows that if she says no, 
it, we're going to have another enemy to battle. And yeah. we can't we can't win the silvers that are divided in civil war if we're also trying to fight right these people. At least with all of the new bloods that Mare recruited, it was like you do technically have a choice. I mean, if you choose to stay here, then like you're probably going to die, but eh? like you can still choose. Right. And she's just telling them about an enemy that they already knew existed. It's just a bigger threat now. Right. This is a completely a complete wild card. Oh yeah. That she has to deal with. Something she wasn't even expecting at all. Nothing right. that was in her plan. And of course Command's going to jump all over this because they've been receiving all kinds of help, shipments, food, clothing, weapons from these people. So they're like, "Well, yeah, of course they're on our side, but you don't know that." Right. And you I have think, to take their word for it, and Mare doesn't take the right. word. And clearly, anybody. the colonel's not super into these guys either. Yeah, I don't think he's very happy that they've been hanging around here for no. a couple of weeks because they could be sending any kind of information to anybody. Anybody. Uh, Mare counterpoints here, and she's like, "But only Ardents, so I can only pick New Bloods." Um, and then she's like, "What is it really like in your Republic?" Have you simply traded silver masters for new ones? You know, is our new bloods just in charge and crushing Silvers. everybody at their feet? Um, Which is and kind of a funny question for the girl who just fried and electrocuted a bunch of silvers in a control room that she didn't need to just yes. because funsies. Yes. <laughs> just because funsies. Just because funsies. And it, it's reminding her of what Cameron said. Yeah. A new blood king will sit on the throne. You built him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tahir says, you know, you, you're you not understanding correctly what's going on here. He says that uh, they are like her. You know, they've suffered for what they are. It has not been an easy road for them to gain any kind of status in their country, and they don't want anybody else to suffer the same fate, especially not other New mutated blood. reds right. like them, and that they want to offer sanctuary for their kind, her especially. This is when my Admiral Akbar really popped <laughs> up. Because this, I mean, it's, it's like a screaming it's gift. A it's a trap. It's, it's a, a trap. trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Mare knows it. She's like, they're liars. They offer nothing but another stage for me to stand and perform on. This is exactly what it felt like the first time Katniss met Coin <laughs> in the Hunger Games. Like When mm. it's like, am I really just trading one bad cop for another bad cop? I right. like this situation. It does not look like, you know, the, the grass is not greener on this right. side. Because, of course, with all the inf the the chaos going on in Norda with her, the new all the dealing with the Scarlet Guard and yeah. Maven taking over and Alara now being dead and all those things, you know these other countries that are out there that she doesn't know about because she lives in this tiny little world that's insulated. Right. You know they're all looking at this as an opportunity. Yeah. To take over everything. Right. A, a destabilized country is Easy the to take biggest yeah. target for another country. And Mare also walked into this room with a dozen other things on her mind. You know, right. she's like, I got to go talk to my family and then we got to get out of here so we can go to the choke and find Cameron's brother and save the lives of all these kids. So then Cameron can come back with me and do what she promised she would do. We got to get this thing out for the measures. We got to set the silver silvers on Civil War. She didn't have time to be messing with whatever rash and to hear one. So, you know, she's like, thanks, but no thanks, basically. I'm fine where I am. I can't run away now. I've got stuff that I've got to do. And they're like, okay, well, what would it take? Name your price. What do you want to come uh, be with us and let us protect you? Because she, she says, I can't be bought with promises. Yeah. And uh, so she's like, Okay, bring me Maven Kalor's head, and your leader can use me as a footstool. So you kill Maven and show and, me the proof, and I will do. I'll do literally you anything want. because that will have solved my problem. Problem. I will have accomplished what I want, and now 
I can, you know, solve whatever problem you want. Plus, you know, if you're swinging balls, let's see how big. <laughs> right. Let's <laughs> see how big you're swinging. You know, I just killed the queen. What can you do? <laughs> Your turn. Uh, so there. Right. T- she says Tahir's response chills her blood. I, Mare. He says, you killed the she-wolf. It should be nothing to kill the pup. You think, though? I mean... Yeah. She doesn't even say anything. She just walks out. Mayor Barrow has left the chat. (laughs) Yeah. If you you think you can do it, then that's great. I'm going to leave now, and you guys have your assignment. Uh, The colonel is not picking up what Mayor's laying down. And she's like, you know, what? You know, what's your problem? What don't you understand? And... Uh, he says, you came here with so many more followers than you left with, but not the ones that you left with. Yeah, you lost everybody that you left here with, but you but gained you came so back many with more. so many more. Right. So what happened out there? You know, what changed? Kalorn's gone. Cal's gone. Farley's gone. They've all seemed to abandon her. They're all annoyed. Her brother's dead. <laughs> her brother's dead. She Sorry. has these, new, you know, hundreds of new quote-unquote followers um, the minute that, that he mentions her brother, though, she she's like mm. stops short and takes a step towards him. Like, are we gonna do this? <laughs> Is now when it goes down? And he just he knows he's crossed a line. He's right. like, my condolences. You know, I shouldn't have said that. Basically, it's never easy to lose a family member. And this f- mayor flashes back to the picture of. The Farley family, when there were four of them, and well, she's Diana's like, sister and mom, that yeah. are no longer around. She's mm-hmm. like, I know these people aren't here. Something happened, so we both know what it's like to experience loss. And so, this is what I said when we were talking off mic. They just they have a little moment. A moment. And, it, and it's a, it's kind He's of like the, I open my mouth. I shouldn't have said it. That right. was stupid. I know. It's kind of the moment, and it's it, as much moment as you're going to get with Colonel Farley. That's all he said was he knows he's made, and she could tell he knows he made a mistake, and there's more there, but there's no way he's ever going to open up about that. That's not who he is. He's not going right. to confide in her, but it is a moment yeah, that, yeah, between the two. Because he knows that she's been in there, and he knows she's not stupid, so she's probably seen it. And you know well, whether and or not Diana Farley, has yeah. said anything, exactly, exactly. Um, so he says, you know, what about this red problem? That you mentioned. Is it anything that I should know about? Um, And she says that, um, you know, she tells him about the, um, she tells him about the march order that they intercepted to send the 10 legions to the choke to replace the nine that are there, basically the Operation Human Shield. Legion. Right, the <laughs> Operation Human Shield, all the 15-year-olds. Yeah, and, um, you know, she says the first of the child legions is being sent to the choke. They're going to be m- massacred, ordered to march out past the trenches right into the kill zone. 5,000 of them slaughtered. And the colonel's like, new bloods? Mm, not that I know of. No. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she says, not that I know of. And he's like, well, command did order me to help you. I think it's time we did something useful together. He's like, if I can save 5,000 kids, then maybe it'll make up for the one I wasn't able to save. I don't know. I'm just spitballing ideas with what's going on in his head. And this is the weirdest break because we all had confusion reading this. Right. I had to call you guys. I was so confused. I was like, wait a minute. Something is not right with this chapter. Because there's a time jump here, but it's, it's at the end of a page. So you just notice that the text is raised by one line it's clear that a paragraph ended but there's no indent on the next page yeah no so little it's just really weird. no little squiggly to tell you that there's a there's been a time jump because this book doesn't use change. those it's it just has a break. before though i thought no it was it's always just breaks hmm. weird vicky get on that <laughs> since i know you listen <laughs> she doesn't listen she doesn't <laughs> but we jump to um the infirmary Mare has gone there to see Sarah and also, I guess, just get looked over. You know, she hasn't had a chance to be looked at by any sort of healer or anything. So, and she knows that she's got 
wounds. And also just kind of sit there. It's quiet yeah, now. Yeah, it's quiet. Nobody bothering her. No weird looking twins. She gets to put off her family for a minute because she's being, you know, getting medical treatment. Um, so she just lays there on her side looking out the window. It's not uh, sunshiny, which is good because she says, I can't see any more sunshine today. Because when she got there, it was all sunshiny. And she was like, it's too nice of a day for all these people to have died. She just but wants spe- it to but be. But only specifically shade. Right. Uh, she wants it to be gray and gloomy because she feels gray and gloomy. It's too nice of a day for all this person to have died. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, she's doing what she does and catastrophizing and Everything. cycling yes. through her terrible memories. Um, Shade, you know, being murdered. One hand reaching out for her and the other one, like, clutching the blooming splotch of blood over his heart where he's just been stabbed through the chest. By was it, was This this was Peolimus, right? This, this mm-hmm. was Tolimus. Peolimus. Uh, and then, then the real pity party starts in. <laughs> he was coming back to save me, and it got him killed. And I can't stand the thought of returning to my family and seeing the shade size hole <laughs> there, you know, and and trying to fill that myself. But I'm only five one, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm the girl who cost them a son. Yeah, it's like honey, the the stop. one who they'd gotten back. They got a son back, and then they had to let him. Now he's gone again. Okay, so I just I, mayor girl. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Somebody else notices it too that she's sitting there having a little pity party. Julian, <laughs> Julian comes up and and says, "Shall I come back later, or have you finished feeling sorry for yourself?" <laughs> I love Julian so much. She's very excited, obviously, to see Julian. He looks like he's gotten some color back. Sarah has healed his teeth. So the teeth that had fallen out, she's given him back. Um, you know, he's still wearing mitch- mismatched tuck clothes. But other than that, he looks like, you know, the old teacher that she had again. And she feels very comforted at first until she realizes that he's, like, scolding her, basically. <laughs> and you know. She does the typical teenage girl can a girl get a moment's peace around here? No. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you've been hiding up here for like an hour. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he said, like, I think that's more than a moment. So you've got stuff to do. Come on, let's go. And she says, if you must know, I'm waiting on the colonel. You know, we have a very important operation to plan. And he's rounding up volunteers. As we speak. So there. Yeah. That's in her inner monologue. Mm -hmm. The so there. That's not something we put in. That's in the book. Right. (laughs) But she just doesn't have the stones to say it out loud. Julian is like, "Uh, nope. Next. (laughs) And he's like, so all of that's going on. And you decided it was a better idea to take a nap than, say, addressing the other new bloods or calming down some of the jumpy silvers that we have here you know, maybe think they're going to be murdered, getting some actual medical attention, or, you know, even speaking to your own family. Yeah, your own grieving family. Yeah. He then drops the mic. I do love (laughs) naps, however, though. See, I don't, so I can't share this. I'm like, "Mm, all of that or a nap? Yeah, a nap. (sighs) See, I wouldn't want to nap. I would just want to lay there like she's doing. Right. Can't really falter for this one. Sometimes I just want to lay in a bed and just not think not about anything, anything for an hour, you know? Is it me or this particular little word exchange between Mare and Julian where they kind of go back and forth? I think in the show I would love it if it were a rap battle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just listening to Hamilton songs on the way out of here. So there you so go. Over here, so I could totally see this as a rap battle. Yeah. Who's got Lin-Manuel Miranda's number? Elizabeth Banks, call up Lynn Manuel Miranda for this part. <laughs> this specific section. Yeah. Um, she says, I have not missed your lectures, Julian. And he tells her that she lies well. Ooh. But didn't a couple chapters somebody ago a couple chapters ago somebody just say that she wasn't a good liar? I th- Cal said you're usually such a good liar. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Right. 
I gotcha. I was like, somebody just called her out for being a bad liar not that long ago. I know I remember that part. Um, now that she's a little closer to him, she sees, you know, he's still pretty gaunt. Um, that he doesn't have any, like, wounds or anything, but that his eyes are, like, soulless. You know, mm. and, and she says, that's proof that Sarah can't heal minds. So all the things that have tortured him before, you know, the death of his sister and Sarah's tongue being cut out and all that kind of stuff. Now, all of the torture he suffered in the prison that she doesn't even know about yet, she can just see in his eyes that he has lost something between then and now. Um, and he, he says, a lecture needs a listener, and you are certainly not listening anymore. So... It's not going to bother lecturing her if she's not yeah. listening. You're not listening to me. You're not listening to anybody else. Yeah, not even Cal. And she she's like, fine, are you going to yell at me for that too? You know, everybody else is always on my case. You might as well do it too. And and he says, have I ever yelled at you? <laughs> like, I have I ever you? dressed you down, you know? And she's like, no, no, no you, you haven't. haven't. He says... <laughs> But I have only I have tell I've only come to tell you what you need to hear. I will not make you listen. I will not make you obey. I will leave you the choice as it should be. Side note, except for Cameron. <laughs> Mayor's like, okay, fine. And uh, he says, I told you once that anyone can betray anyone. I know you remember. She thinks, oh, I remember. And I have in my notes, <laughs> do you though? Because you seemed real trusting of John, like, from the get-go. I am so sorry for yeah, your listeners, ears. I apologize. That's, that's what's funny. It's like she doesn't trust these twins, which I get. But you were just, like, all up into trusting John because he told you what right. you wanted to hear. Exactly. Mayor. Exactly. Anyone can betray anyone is, like, she's, it's like her mantra, except for when it's not. Right. <laughs> right. Except for when it serves against what she wants to do. And then it's throw caution to the wind. And so he tells her, I say it again. Anyone, anything can betray anyone, even your own heart. So think about that for a little bit. She starts to argue. He do, he's, not, <laughs> he's not being deterred. He says, no one is born evil, just like no one is born alone. They become that way through choice and circumstance. The latter you cannot control, but the former, Mare, I'm very afraid for you. Things have been done to you, things no person should suffer. You've seen horrible things, done horrible things, and they will change you. I'm so afraid for what you could be if given the wrong chance. Mare doesn't answer out loud, but she thinks to herself, so am I. So she then fix it. Yeah, she knows that her mind is slipping. She knows where her mind is going. Right, and sh and one person who's kept her in the right mind is Cal, and she pretty much just told him to f off. Exactly, and they're not really speaking. And Kalorn right as well. Exactly, and and neither one of them are there to support her. Nope. Uh, she takes Julian's hand, but she says it doesn't feel the same. That their bond is tenuous. Um, and she doesn't know how to fix it. You know, he's been through things, she's been through things, and they're just not on the same vibe like they were before. Um, but she tells him, you know, that she'll try to basically stay the person that she is and not change. Um, so then she starts to wonder, you know, like, will, t will Julian tell tales of me one day when I become something wretched, someone like a Lara with no one else to love her. So she's already seeing herself going down oh this dark road. dark road and becoming, you know, this lonely but powerful ruler or, you know, whatever. That's Mare's real ability. Yeah. She's like, well, Worst I case scenarios. <laughs> will I simply be the girl who tried? No, I cannot think that way. I will not. I am Mare Barrow. I am strong enough. Now, now she's going to start being optimistic. <laughs> not the, not a pep talk when you're going to go raid the prison. You're all by yourself, basically, and you're going to start a pep talk now. Yep. Okay. I got it. <laughs> too little, too late, if you ask me. Yep. 
But she's thinking to herself, you know, she's done things and terrible things that she doesn't deserve forgiveness for. But she sees forgiveness in Julian's eyes all the same. So he's telling her, I know you had to do things to get here. I know you had to kill people like me. I'm willing to put that past us because we have work to do together. Like, right. don't don't let yourself concentrate on that because war is war. It is. Right. And that's only what she was doing. She says it gives her hope for the first time in, like, forever that she will not become a monster and that she will not lose who she is, even if it kills her. So even if she has to die to maintain her identity, she's willing to do that now. She's not going to let somebody turn her into another Marina Titanos. And so he says, now, do you need me to walk you to your family's bunk, or you, can you find the way? Basically, like, you need to get out of here and go see your family. <laughs> So am I going to take you or can you find it on your own? And she's just like, um, do you even know the way? Mm-hmm. Right. You just got here too, dude. You know, you've, <laughs> I've been here longer than you have because I was here before. So, you know, why are you, why are you talking smack on that? And he says, it's not polite to question your elders, lightning girl. Ooh. And then she says, I had a teacher once who told me to question everything. This exchange is so cute. It's so funny. I love it's it so classic Mare and Julian. It's, you know, throwback to our sweet little Mare. Yeah. So I thought this part was really cute. Um, his eyes are twinkling and he puffs out his chest. You know, your teacher was a very smart man and they're having this little moment. But then she notices that his eyes leave her eyes and kind of start to look over her and he notices the M. The brand. The brand on her collarbone that Maven gave her. And this part of the chapter is where I want to slap Mare in the face. Yeah. She get a hold of yourself. Right. She debated covering it up so that Julian wouldn't see it, but she didn't. Um, And she won't you know, she won't hide it from him. She'll let him see it. And he says, Sarah can fix that. Shall I get her? And she says, there are many scars I want her to heal, but not this one. Uh, That's what she thinks. Out loud, she just says, no. But then she thinks, let it be a reminder to us all. Slap her in the face. Shake her a little bit. Girl, get a hold of yourself. Mayor the Martyr is back. This is ex- We've seen Martyr Mayor before, and Martyr Mayor is back right. in full force. And this is exactly the kind of stuff that Cal was talking about, too, with Maven. It's like another thing that she just won't let anything about Maven go because she's still so conflicted about how she felt about this kid for, like, a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know... Forget about that. Right. Move on. You... It wasn't even real. Right. Yeah. And like this, what is what is keeping the brand do for you? Nothing. Nothing. Except give him a still power over you. Right. Every time you look in the mirror, that's all you're going to think of is that that's not healthy. No. So arm in arm, they leave the infirmary. Julian off to find Sarah and Mare off to meet with her family and discuss the aftermath of Shade. And that is where we're going to end our discussion on this chapter for today. There is another scene in this chapter that we want to spend a little more time on than this episode will allow us to spend. So we will come back and we will pick back up with uh, the last third or the third act of this chapter uh, next week, and then we'll kind of discuss... Uh, where that brings us around to before we head into what will ultimately be the last chapter of the book before the epilogue that'll lead us into the next right. book. And the last chapter and stuff is kind of a <coughs> cliffhanger with a lot of stuff going on, so it's kind of a good time to at least go over everything up to this point before the giant shift in the story. Yeah. Because yeah. it is going to be like, whoa. And you guys, I know that uh, 
everybody needs a break in between books to kind of breathe a little bit. But the cliffhanger that we're left on, it's, you are not going to want us to take the probably four or six week discussion <laughs> episode break that we're going to take. But we're going to need to because there's it. so much to unpack here. The ending of this book made me so desperate to read more that I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't wait. Yeah, this is the one where you we had to go to the library and try to find it. Yeah. 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 But it wasn't available. You had to wait. Mm. Yeah. Like a couple of days. I think this is maybe a good time to talk about the new versions that are available. Yeah. Mia, do you want to talk about that? Not really. Can I'll you, let you do it. Well, I don't know where you guys bought them. You guys were ultimately the ones that made the purchase. So what was the tell me the a little bit about know? the site. The The site was... Lit Joy. Lit Joy. It's, it's yeah. yeah there. It's a version of all of these books. It's even got uh, was it Broken Throne? Yes. The 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 one that has the stories that came after. It's got all five versions of the books. Um, it's got new cover art and art inside illustrations mm-hmm. that have drawings of all the characters that were basically run by Victoria Aviard herself. And so there's yeah. some good pictures of the characters which we like for our fan casting and kind of gives you an idea of what they look like. Um, they're really nice bound series of of all the books that come in a collection. The end, the pages, all have artwork. Like I'm talking about the edge. So like when the, you close yeah, all the, the books end. and you look at the instead of the binding and you look at the page end, there's artwork on it that makes it when they're all together look like looks really cool. It has a really cool design on it. And then there's um a bunch of Victoria Aviard went through and put a bunch of um, annotations. annotations and stuff in between on the sides of the pages and of like what she was thinking when she wrote a lot of the passages, which for us is awesome because yeah. it gives an idea of what the author was actually thinking. So and I think really each one set. has her autograph yeah. as yes. well on one of the books. Yeah. So, yeah, it's guys. It's super nice it's, set. It's so nice. If you're a real true fan of this series, which I think you'd have to be to be still listening to this show. <laughs> Lit Joy. Uh, Lit Joy is the website. Go on there and order the new um, illustrated editions of Red Queen. They are so beautiful. For more information, um, you can either go straight to litjoy.com or you can follow Victoria Aviard on Instagram. She has her. She has the books on her uh, Instagram page, and then also the links over to Lit Joy. I will try to hunt them down as well and see if we can put them on our Instagram and um, put a link in the show notes mm-hmm. on how to buy it because we hopped on getting our pre-order. Early. Super fast because yeah. it is a gorgeous, gorgeous set. It really is, the and they're advertising really it beautiful. a lot right now. Yeah. So when you open the website, it should be right there, right? One uh, of the first things. Yeah, and this company, yeah. Litjoy, has multiple different series of books like this. It just just happens to be the one we got, obviously. Right. So, they're, but they're all really nice. This one is just spectacular. Yeah, yeah really you is. can even. There's even jewelry that goes along with it. You can get earrings. I um, really wish I had gotten those earrings because yeah. they're sold out now. Right. They may. They may come back. Um, Maybe you can get them. You know, Mare has four earrings that she wears, um, and so you can get the four earrings yeah, there cool. on the I website. I think that set has five because she gets a fifth one. Oh right. right so right, I think right. that set has all yeah, five. We don't. We don't talk about that. Um, so yeah, I'll put the link in our show notes, um, hop over to Instagram, find Victoria Aviard there. Also lit joy. You can find them as well. Our Instagram is at reading with the Rockefellers. You can catch up with us over there. That's where we are the most active. You can email us. We are coming up quick on fan casting. So please, please, please send in your fan casting notes. Um, we need a cow. We need a Cameron. We need a shade. We need... Uh, and, and a even, bunch of new characters, right? And even anybody that you have any ideas for, a Ptolemus, just give us, maybe we'll a Ptolemus. We need a Ptolemus. Yep, uh, um, we got a mare. I think we're pretty locked we're pretty, in yeah. on Jenna Ortega for you, our mare. Yeah, I mean, any other suggestions are fine. We'll we'll discuss them possibly, but yeah, yeah. So send that in. Uh, the email is readingwiththerockefellers at gmail dot com. And as always, you can find all of our information on our website. Uh, there's also a donate button there too. So if you guys feel like you want to send a family podcast who does everything completely on their own, a little bit of love, there's a donate button there uh, that you can send a little appreciation to the show and we would be your best friend forever and ever and ever <laughs> and love you 
for oodles much doing that. Um, so we will be back next week with uh, the second part of this discussion episode and then just a brief little recap. Bye. Bye. Bye.